So I want to preference this morning with saying that today was completely unscripted. Um, as you can see behind me, we do have one of our missionaries, and I did not know he was coming. Um, but I am so thankful that Pastor Craig is here because um, when I think back over my soon-to-be nine years at Harmony Grove, but also when I think back to it when it was a little church in the 80s, um, I think about how far we have come. Nine years ago, next Sunday, nine years ago, next Sunday, wow. Um, God entrusted this congregation to me, his church, entrusted me to oversee it. And one of the main things that I wanted to do and had a desire and passion to do was to make us an extremely mission-minded church. Because one of the stories in Acts that always stuck out to me was after, after Stephen was martyred, the disciples that were in Antioch, or that were in Jerusalem, fled. They went everywhere. But instead of being quiet about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they were telling everybody that they come across. And finally, word made its way to a little place called Antioch. A church started in Antioch that became the first mission-sending church out there. Matter of fact, Antioch is responsible for sending Paul on his mission journeys, which helped bring the gospel to eventually what is us. 176 years ago, 176 years ago this June, a little church called Harmony Grove Baptist Church was started. Their heart, because I've read it in the documents, was the expansion of the gospel. We have tried and prayed, and did our best to make an effort like never before for missions in Harmony Grove. And today's speaker, like I said, I got an email last Friday. I don't check emails on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, so I got it Monday, and I'm like, oh, he's here. Amen. But this year, I've been trying to get as many of our missionaries before y'all as possible for this reason. I need you to understand something. It's more than just us. The gospel is why we gather. The gospel is why we are here. And the gospel is what we are to be busy about doing. I love Pastor Craig's church. I want to give you a little insight into Pastor Craig's church. Pastor Craig's church is a college church. I want you to think about that for a minute. That means he will see these students for four years Maybe five. I don't know. Do y'all have a doctorate program? Maybe eight. Maybe further. Some of them might go that extended program like I went in high school. <laughs> I got my master's degree in high school for those who want to know. Figure that one out. But he knows that he's going to have these students for just a couple of years. But what's amazing is his heart for these students his heart is to equip these students with the gospel and with the ministry to take it home and expand the gospel anymore, even more. He serves in Vancouver, British Columbia, at the University of British Columbia. It's a college of about 70,000 students, and slowly but surely, they are starting to get a lot of foreign exchange students. I'm not going to steal too much of your thunder, but Friday, or too much of his thunder, but Friday I got to sit down and have coffee with him, and he was sharing about how this year he just felt urged to start making contacts with some of the kids that have gone home. 
And he was amazed to hear about the ministry that's being done in Japan and other parts of the world because of what he instilled in these students. Harmony Grove, I want to remind you of something. All of this is possible because you are faithful to contribute to God's work in the ministry. And I want to say thank you for your support. I want to say thank you for entrusting us to bring about all this missions effort. But I also want to say thank you for being a part of this missions effort. Now I'll hush. Pastor Greg, come on up, brother. I'm really thankful for your pastor. And gosh, nine years does go really quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Just think of where we were just a few years ago, uh, beginning this church on the campus in 2010 at the University of British Columbia and seeing what God uh, would do. Never despise the small thing that the Lord starts with and what he does uh, with it. Um, My family is really grateful to you uh, because your gifts and faithfulness to the Lord has helped them eat. All four of those kids uh, have been able to benefit. My oldest daughter uh, got married uh, in August and continues to stay in Vancouver. And my second kid's about to graduate from university. And the third has finished a program uh, after high school. And the fourth is grade nine. So ninth grade. Some of you remember ninth grade. Would you want to go back? No. Don't want to go back uh, to ninth grade. And part of the reason most of us don't want to go back is because it seemed like so many of our friends and peers had no mercy for all of our awkwardness, right? So awkward in those years. And, and some of us, maybe myself included, feel like we never outgrew our awkwardness. And so I tell university students all the time, I have committed myself to doing awkward. I am going to do the awkward thing. This means that I'm going to try to talk to you. I'm going to try to listen to you. And I'm going to ask you questions. And you're going to be like, will this person ever quit asking questions? Because that's the, the thing about doing awkward that we just have to push past how we feel in our own skin. And Jesus had a way of pressing in with people and pressing in with his disciples and showing them mercy as well. He didn't mind the crisis that developed because of who he is and who they are. He had mercy on them. And he invited them into his mercy mission as well. I'm going to read this morning from Luke chapter 5. It's a familiar story. It's one of my favorites. But recently, I've been really keen in reading the Gospels, particularly in this Easter season, to really watch Jesus at work. And, And what was it like to be the disciples who experienced the resurrection of Jesus? And then go back and think about all the things that Jesus had done. All the things that Jesus had said, knowing what they know now, that he is the resurrected Lord 
who died on a cross was buried and raised for the forgiveness of their sins and their life with God that they could have because of him. How did they go back and remember him and think about it? How did they sift through all the experiences they had and say, these are the things that you all need to know? All these people who are going to get to know Jesus in the nations, this is what they need to know. And so in Luke chapter 5, we have one of those experiences captured for us by Luke the physician who went and interviewed and studied those who met Jesus in real time. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Watch how Jesus works. Jesus has gathered there on the shore where others had gathered that morning to welcome the fishermen who were returning from the Sea of Galilee with their catch of the night. But they had caught nothing. There would be no fish that day. And Jesus took the opportunity, and it seems he just invited himself into that teaching ministry at the moment and sat in Simon's boat. Now he had met Simon because just recently he had been to Simon's house and there learned that Simon's wife's mother was sick and he prayed for her and healed her. So Peter was familiar with Jesus. Jesus was familiar with Peter. 
And he just got in the boat and said, I want to teach. It'll be a little easier. Push me out. And so he began to teach. They called it the word of God, listening to Jesus teach. When he was done, he turns and asks Peter, let's go fishing. What does a carpenter know about fishing? What does a teacher, a rabbi, know about fishing? Peter surely paused, as I did when I read the text. We usually rush through it. Jesus is asking him to do something that Peter doesn't want to do at the moment. Peter has been fishing all night long. Imagine Jesus showing up at your workplace when things have not gone well and said, let's try again. Imagine a day, a week, a year when there have been no big sales, when things haven't worked out, when the crops haven't delivered, when all of your work isn't paying off. And Jesus says, let's do that again. Let's try again. How many of you would volunteer to say yes? Or would you pause and say, well, because it's you, because you asked, I'll do it. See, Jesus is pressing in. Let's go out to the deep and throw out the nets. Do you know the problem with fishing in the deep is you can't see what's down there. But Jesus has a way of seeing what's down there, doesn't he? He has the creator's insight, the creator's power. And not only that, Jesus is actually seeing something in the depths of Peter that maybe Peter doesn't really know is there. And Jesus is getting ready to draw it out. Proverbs 25 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. Jesus is pressing in. He's doing awkward in order to draw something out of Peter, not just out of those waters. Every parent in this room, every coach or teacher in this room knows that you face a moment where you could just be expedient, where you could say, do this because I say so. Or you can go slower and you can draw something out of their heart that will change their life forever. And that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is pursuing people. That familiar passage in John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17. It's such a great verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Most of those on the outside of the church are anxious and preloaded to actually fear our engagement with them, our questions to them that somehow what we're seeking to draw out is that gotcha moment. Ah, gotcha. 
where we point the finger and we bring the condemnation. That's what they're preloaded for. But God is actually doing something so different. He's not setting Peter up to just say, gotcha. He's actually setting Peter up to be a part of his mercy mission. Not just for the world, but also for Peter right in that moment. You see, Jesus doesn't mind pressing in so that he can allow for a crisis, a crisis of his holy presence. That's what's so noticeable after the catch of fish, right? The fish are sinking the boat, but Peter sinks to his knees and says, go away. Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. How could a catch of fish do such a thing? Peter had never seen so many fish in his boat that he would sink it. Peter knew those fish. He had fished those waters the night before and missed them. But Jesus gathered them in this moment to draw something not out of the waters, but to draw something out of Peter. In that moment, Jesus is revealing something about who he is, and Peter had a realization. Oh, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. That's a miracle moment, and none of us are in charge of that for other people's lives. You know, people get curious about who Jesus is. Before that, they were even skeptical about who Jesus is. But then they get curious about Jesus because they've been hanging around you. They've been hanging around with people who talk about Jesus or seem to act like Jesus or seem to have that strange moment where they pray and God does something. And they wonder about, who is that Jesus you prayed about? In this past year, you helped us run what we call the Alpha Course. It's a meal where students gather and they watch a talk and then they have a gospel conversation after about what does this mean and who is this Jesus and what was Jesus about? This year, we had 70 students go through the Alpha Course from January to April. Three of them trusted the Lord. And a whole group of tables that had atheists and agnostics also found themselves strangely drawn to Jesus. They haven't made public confessions, but they are closer. See, we are not in charge of that move from, oh, Jesus is just the teacher to Jesus is Lord of our life. And Peter is having that moment. And in that moment, he's having a crisis. And he does a very awkward thing. The boat is sinking. And he ignores the threat of death. And he falls at the knees of Jesus. And says, go away. You're too much for me. Because I am a sinful man. God allows for the crisis of his holy presence. That's why I so appreciated the song we started with this morning. And just that posture of our own lives to say, yes, we are in the presence of God and God is holy. 
Like Moses being called to a bush and the voice speaking saying, Moses, take off your shoes because this is a holy space, holy ground. The same for Isaiah, who in a day of grief went to the temple and then saw the glory of the Lord revealed and said, oh God, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm coming undone. I'm a people of, I'm a man of unclean lips from a whole people of unclean lips. We use your name in vain all the time. And then God does something for him in that moment. Peter's concession to say yes opened up to a confession. Do you know this is why invitations are so important? You invite someone to something and they say no, and they say no, and they say no, and they say no, and then someday they say yes. And that concession leads to the space where they can make a confession to Jesus. We've all had that experience too, haven't we? Where we know that Jesus knows something about the depths of who we are. Peter says, I'm a sinner. This is who I am. Later, he would be able to say, I've seen the majestic glory of God. I've seen the grace of God. And he would know he was saved by grace. Do you know, in that moment, Jesus calls Peter to his mission of mercy. We might have missed it because it just sounds like he's just going to go fishing again. Let's look at it again. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. From now on, you will fish for people. It's a really strange phrase that Jesus is using here. He's really saying, from now on, people you will be catching. From now on, people you will be catching alive. In fact, the term Jesus uses here is a term of warfare, to catch somebody alive. This was actually a fearful moment for Israel. They knew what it was for Israel to be captured alive. It was later painted by the prophets as a a word of judgment, as if God had cast his net and swooped up people into judgment, captured them alive. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, captured people alive, and their kings carted them off to their cities and paraded them in humiliation. Captured alive meant you stood to be tortured. You stood to be imprisoned. You stood to be killed as spoils of a king. But what kind of king is Jesus? Do you know, just before this experience, Jesus had told the disciples, I must go to other towns because I'm going to preach the good news of the kingdom. What is the good news of the kingdom? God will capture you alive, not to humiliate you, but to lift you up. God will capture you alive, because once you were dead, but now you will be alive. Once you were captured in sin, but now you will be free. Jesus is inviting Peter and speaking prophetically about a 
ministry of mission and mercy. You're going to capture people alive, Peter. Don't be afraid. Catching people alive is what Jesus then shows the disciples every day of his ministry with them in those three years. How do you catch people alive? Go and watch Jesus do it. Day after day after day, he shows them mercy. He shows them mercy. Do you know mercy is not popular or expected? A few years ago, there was a song that that confessed and became very popular among the students who are in university now. It's called I Am Titanium. Does anybody know it? It made all the American Idol and all the singing shows, I am titanium. You shout it loud, but I can't hear a word you say. I'm talking loud, not saying much. I'm criticized, but your bullets ricochet. You shoot me down, but I get up. I'm bulletproof, nothing to lose. Fire away, fire away. You shoot me down, but I won't fall. Cut me down but it's all you have further to fall. Raise your voice. Sticks and stones may break my bones. I'm talking loud, not saying much. I'm bulletproof. Nothing to lose. Do you know, if you have conditioned yourself to be bulletproof in society, to be not vulnerable to strangers, if you have conditioned yourself to always hide away, you are titanium. But that's not the way of Jesus. See, Peter was very vulnerable on that boat. In his workplace, Jesus came. And Peter confessed I'm a sinner. Jesus does not operate with titanium. Jesus operates with vulnerability. And this is hard for us because our world is conditioning us to just be tough. But Jesus invites us to be tender. A tough tenderness that persists in opening our hearts to each other and to God. In that way is the way of salvation. Because that's the way of repentance. Later in chapter 5, Jesus says, look, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Do you know to just be able to confess? I'm a sinner. It's very vulnerable. Now, some people flip that and they want to brag about their sin as a kind of toughness. But the godly sorrow 
that Jesus invites us into is that movement of genuine revival to just confess, oh, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people alive. That's the most exciting venture. Two weeks ago, George Verwer died. He was the founder of Operation Mobilization. They have sent thousands of missionaries around the world. In fact, he's the one who began to emphasize short-term missions. Let's just get a group of people and go. In fact, that was not his mode of operating before university. In high school, he was known as the kid who you could go and have trouble with. If you wanted to make trouble, he was the one to go make trouble with. In fact, he even set the woods on beside the school on fire. And that was the occasion that a woman, a Christian lady, began to pray for him. Her name was Dorothea Clapp. And she began to pray every day for George. God, you get a hold of him. In fact, George Verwer would later say, she put me on the Holy Spirit hit list. <laughs> and the Lord changed his life. She even sent him a Bible. At that moment, it didn't change his life. But later, when he looked back on it, he realized that the mercy of God was there in his life with someone who began to pray for him, someone who sent him the scripture. When he first got enthused about God, he turned to his university friends and said, let's go tell people about Jesus. And they said, well, when? He said, right now. Let's sell all our stuff, buy Bibles, and drive to Mexico. So that's what they did. Later in life, he would call this messiology. Messy missions. He says, I made some really embarrassing mistakes. But I just kept going with Jesus. Do you know, one of his messy mistakes was to get arrested by um, a regime that was against the gospel. Another one of his messes that turned out really, really well, really well is that he bought a boat. He bought a boat. No one had ever heard of a missions organization buying a boat. And then he traveled the world, going to different ports, bringing ministries of mercy and the message of the gospel to thousands of people. He says this about his life. I found that God could use me not by crushing my temperament or showing me up to be a wretch that I was, but rather he offered me love and work through the Holy Spirit. It's the same God that George Verwer shared. It's the same God that I shared. It's the same God who invites us to little series of yeses. Did you notice the yeses in this experience for Peter? Jesus gets into the boat and says, would you push out in the water? Yes. Would you... Push out into the deep now and fish? Yes. 
Would you go with me now in this mission and follow me and catch people? And it says that Peter, James, and John rolled their boats up to the beach and left to follow Jesus. There's another yes. You may think it's just a small thing to say yes to Jesus, to encourage someone, to pray for someone, to send to Scripture, to invite someone to come with you. But those series of yeses can change your life. I know it did mine. 44 years ago, sitting in the little Harmony Grove building, on a Sunday just a few years after I had learned to play the piano, someone from the front said, you know, we don't have a piano player today, but I heard there's someone who plays and they could look right through me. (laughs) (laughs) And I had that moment. Would I say yes? Would I say no? But that little yes created a series of yeses that Jesus has surprised me with and made a great adventure in serving his church and serving him in this world. Give people a chance to say yes and even to say no, right? As his church, one of the greatest things we can do is just give people a chance. Jesus gave Peter a chance over and over and over. He's still doing the same thing today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, We thank you for your mercy towards us. And we pray that your mercy would continue and that you would continue to give us opportunity to say yes. We pray that you would give us the opportunity to say yes to you. The Lord, we would not let this grace slip past us, but even in this moment, we would say yes to you again, that you might revive within us a wonder and an awe about who you are, a sense of the greatness of your holiness, that we would be astonished at the beautiful gospel of your love for us, that you took our place that we would be astonished at the mercy that you have shown towards us and letting us live in your communion as a friend. We pray that you would make our hearts tender again towards you and towards people, towards your creation, that the glory of it all might show that your strength is in us. So that in our lives and in our churches, there might be more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that the glory of Jesus and his gospel would be made known. That grace and truth would be held together. Oh, Lord Jesus, let your mercy reign in our lives.
Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.